just show you in a very simple but, but hopefully profound way that the Holy Ghost can make a difference in your life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, then does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you... Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I know that's a mouthful. I, I, I hit it kind of fast. I know it's a mouthful. But would you let me talk to you a little bit about what the difference that the Holy Ghost can make in your life. Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for the Sunday morning that you've allowed us to gather in and be in your presence and come into your uh, uh, place of worship. And we've lifted up our hands and we've given you glory and honor and adoration. And now, oh God, as we enter the word that you have given us, I pray you would let my heart, my mind, my ears, my soul, and my spirit be open and receptive to the word of God. Speak, I pray, let it be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. There are... So many things I could I could start preaching right now. I could uh, so many ways I could start and kind of go. But the book of Romans. Well, first, first off, just in case uh, maybe the Bible is still new to you or you're still trying to figure it all out. In the New Testament, the Gospels. That's the story. That's the the historical account. But even more than that, of of Jesus coming to earth. It's God saying, I'm going to come down. I'm going to manifest myself in flesh. It's God coming to mankind. It's You're going to hear songs. If you listen to any Christmas songs, I mean the spiritual ones, I don't know you're going to get much out of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus, but if you'll listen to the spiritual Christmas songs, it talks about Emmanuel, God with us. And so God came down to earth. He became humanity became flesh like you and I and and the gospels is all about God coming down to man and what he did it's the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then the book of Acts is the history it's the start of the church it tells us what the whole purpose of God coming and why he did it and what he's going to do when the book of Acts begins to play out and then the epistles starting in the book of Romans and, and if I can include Revelation in that, going to the book of Revelation, it's all talking to those who are part of the church, those who have experienced that birth, that new birth that Jesus spoke of, and they experienced it according to the book of Acts. That's what we find in the epistles. And Paul 
wrote an epistle to Romans. An epistle is a letter. It was a way that, that Paul could communicate to a church that he could not see. There was no Skype. There was no Facebook. There was no FaceTime. Uh, it was hard for him to get to all the places. It required journeys of days, weeks, maybe even months. And so Paul would write a letter and send it through someone, a courier, or, or, or somehow they would get a letter, and it was his way of continuing to teach and to preach. Romans chapter 7, first off, the book of Romans is probably my favorite book of all of the Bible because the book of Romans takes us from the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and no one is without excuse and it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, all of you need the salvation that Jesus has given and it starts there and then it continues to build and Romans chapter 7 tells of the, the, the battle between the flesh, the, the carnal nature that you and I possess and the spiritual nature that God wants to give us. And so you can read it in the book of Romans chapter 7. I don't have time to go through it, but it's the battle. And Paul, even one of the greatest apostles uh, that, that, that you could talk about, Paul said, I battle it. When I want to do good, evil is present with me. And when I do evil, still in the back of my spirit, I know it's wrong. And I struggle with that condemnation. I struggle with trying to be holy. I struggle with it. And, and at the end of it, he says, who's going to deliver me from this? How am I ever going to get free of this? And then you turn the page. You read to the next paragraph. And Paul begins to say, there's no more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. There is something that happens with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I could take you on an extremely quick journey in the uh, uh, Old Testament. And I, I, I struggled even writing this down and trying to get it all together because there's so many things that I could get bogged down in rabbit trails and go. But when you look at the Old Testament, there are some great people that are written of. Go, go look at Hebrews chapter 11. We call that the, the, the heroes uh uh, you, you know, the, the, it, it's, the, it's the faith chapter. It's the heroes of the faith. And you can see all the ones that are listed there. There's Abraham, there's, there's Abel, there's Enoch, there's Moses, and, and all of those uh, um, heroes of the Bible. But yet, when I read the Old Testament, I'm struck at this one thing. While salvation is present in the Old Testament, you have to understand that in the different periods of time from the time of Adam and Eve and the creation of this world until th there, there's always been salvation the salvation may have come differently before the law of Moses there was salvation given to those who followed and trusted the Lord when the law of Moses came it became a, a, a law that had rituals and, and sacrifices and there was quite a bit of ceremony involved and as long as you followed the law that God gave Moses there on Mount Sinai, then there was salvation that could be given to you. And it goes all the way until the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now you and I are in a different dispensation of grace. Our salvation is contingent on the words of Christ and what he said. But in the Old Testament, and so hopefully I can get this across and you can follow it. I, I read just today. Uh, as I was as I was going, I'm, 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 I read the end of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 31, I believe is the last chapter. But whatever the last chapter is, I read it. And it says this, that Moses died 
on the mountain. God took Moses on the mountain. I mean, you know Moses, he's the one that was in Egypt. One that God said, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I want to bring them out to a land that flows with milk and honey. I want to, I want to, you know, it's an incredible thing. And Moses leads them out, the ten plagues. He leads them in the wilderness. He sees God uh, uh, almost face to face, if you will. And But yet through it all, the last words that God speaks to Moses, and I paraphrase, goes something like this. Moses, thank you for leading the people out. Thank you for following me. But because you struck the rock when I told you to speak to the rock, I'm not going to let you enter into the promised land. Moses, I forget exactly how old he was. I think 120 or something like that. He was an old man. But the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, his strength was not gone. If you could have had a doctor give him an evaluation and give him a, 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 a physical, the doctor would have said, you're not dying. It's not. But God said, no, there's been some things in your life. You did good, but but you may always be remembered for the fact that you weren't able to go into the promised land. Now, I would tell you and I would posit to you that Moses is saved, but there's still that blemish that's there. I could take you to David, a man after God's own heart, but his story ends with him unable to build the temple that he so desired. Because God looks at, at David and says, David, I know you have lived a life where, where when you've sinned, you've repented. And when you've come uh, short of the glory of God, you have humbled yourself. But David, you got too much blood on your hands. And I'm not going to let you build the tabernacle. And, and we're reminded of David's failures. Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, started strong. But he did everything as his, his kingdom grew and as his prosperity grew, he began to walk away from the things that God had commanded. And, 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 and by the end of his life, with all of the wives he had and concubines and all of that, that, that began to pull on his spiritualness. And, and, and he started strong, but he's most remembered at the end of his life by his mistakes. Jonah perhaps died a hero. But still, the end of Jonah, he still doesn't get it. It's marred by sin and failure. And as you read and study the Old Testament, it's very clear to me that God's power was with man. There were great miracles. There were prophets that spoke uh, with the oracles of God. The power of God was with mankind. But they never ever seem to get free of their sin. Every story contains a caveat that God was with them, but there's always a pause. Have you ever had a conversation like that or met someone like that or maybe one of those, those backhanded compliments, but it, it, it seems to always pause and then you realize it's really an underhanded, like, you know, slam? You know what I'm talking about? That's how I read the Old Testament. I, I hope if you're reading the Bible, you see it too. That they, you, you realize that while God was with them, and, and, and you have to say they were saved, Hebrews tells us they were, but yet even then it never seemed like they were free. Then you turn the page and you get to the New Testament. You get to the Gospels. Jesus is here, God manifest in the flesh. God came down to be born of a virgin and, and, and Jesus is here. He calls 12 disciples. But read the Gospels. Those disciples were crazy. Peter was openly rebuked by Jesus many times. 
In fact, there's one time where Jesus is so exasperated by Peter that he turns around and calls Peter Satan. Get behind me, Satan. They argued over and over who was the greatest. It's Jesus walking. I mean, God himself left the throne, is walking on the dust of humanity, and, and they're arguing who's the greatest, and, and they're, they're racist, and they're, 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 there's hatred that goes on in there. They, they tend to try to say, well, this person is able to be saved, but we don't really care about that person. They're petulant. They're childish. They're haughty. Peter chopped off ears. They never seem quite to understand what Jesus is trying to say. And as you turn the page, at the end of the Gospels, here's Peter, and he's denied and cursed Jesus himself. And the studier of, of, of the historical account of mankind would come to the conclusion that man is never going to be changed. If you stop at the end of the Gospels, if you stop at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then it would be the same as it was in Genesis. God created heaven and the earth. God created all of it. It was beautiful. He, 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 he made separation, and then he created, and he puts mankind in the garden, and here's Adam and Eve that are existing in this perfection, and they're walking with God, and they have access with God, and they still can't live it, and they fall. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God seems to be the resounding call of all humanity. And as you turn the page, at the end of the Gospels, it's all the same. Man does good, but in the end, it seems to be they're never changing. Until you turn one more page. And you get into the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. There's one major difference from the Old Testament and the Gospels to this New Testament church. It's while all of the failures have been recorded, and if I could walk into the book of Acts for a moment, you have a man there named Saul, and, and, and the first time you see Saul, at least, is, is at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr of the church, and Saul is holding the coats of the men who picked up rocks and bashed Stephen until he died, and the Bible says that Saul consented unto the death, and then Saul begins to revel in it, and he, he, he's consumed with the mission to destroy all who believed in Jesus Christ. He arrests them, they convict them, he executes them, or is a part of that execution, and you see the story of mankind as their failure. But the difference between the Old Testament to the New Testament is that while their failures are recorded, the end of the lives of New Testament believers end greater than when they began. Go read the book of Acts. There's no, there's no uh, stories recorded where Peter had a moment of backsliding. There's no stories of, of Paul after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and that beautiful presence of God and that salvation. There's no stories of Paul saying, ah, I don't know, I'm going to go back to the old life. The Old Testament is a roller coaster of ups and downs and they live for God for a moment and then they, they crash and burn and then they live for God for a moment then they crash and burn. But here's what the difference is from the Old Testament to the New Testament is they're not remembered for their failures but rather they're remembered for the change. That's why Jesus 
told Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of John chapter 3 and verse 1. If your Bible is such that the, the, letters of Je- or the words of Jesus are in red letters, then you would know that, that much of this is what Jesus tells this, this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes at night. He's not really wanting everybody to know what's going on. And he's, he says, you know, rabbi, teacher, master, Jesus, whatever you say is it's deeper than what I've heard other people say. And Jesus answered, and watch this statement. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, or he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus asks a perfect question. See, you and I, we we have the, the privilege of of. of you know, now in 2020 or almost 2020, we know what it means to be born again. But they had never heard that that terminology ever. And so Nicodemus incredulously asks, "How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born?" And Jesus smiles and says, "Well, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto thee, uh, except one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born." of the spirit is spirit don't marvel don't don't worry about that I said to you you must be born again the wind may blow where it wishes and you hear it sound but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes and so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit Nicodemus still doesn't quite get it how can these things be Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I would have told you of earthly things and you do not believe, then how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? For no one has ascended into heaven except he that descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And there in the very beginning of the book of John, Jesus is foreshadowing the cross. And then the verse that's probably known by more people in this world than has ever been known, it's John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life and that eternal life is linked to you must be born again see the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away and behold all things are become new. Can I tell you the difference in Peter of the Gospels and Peter of the book of Acts? It's that he was in Christ, a new creature. All things passed away. All things became new. When you repent of your sins, when you are baptized in the precious name of Jesus for the remission of sins, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you become a new creature. There is a change that takes place. The attitudes, the actions, the thoughts, and the things that are of your old nature, they pass away and all things become new. See, James wrote it this way. James chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, Every man, every person is tempted and when he's lured and enticed by his own desire and when desire hath conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, or sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 
again, I quote, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The psalmist said it this way. I was born in, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23 that the wages of sin is death. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, again, the writing of Paul. He said, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, you walked according to the course of this world. You followed the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All of those, we were born in sin. The song that we sung earlier that talks about the power of the cross, the beauty of the cross, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 Paul writes he says and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgive us all of our trespasses he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands and he set it aside and he nailed it to the cross that's what happened when Jesus died on the cross when he died on the cross it it was taken all of the charges. It was taken all of the, the effects of sin, the, all of the consequences of sin. And he took it and he bore it to the cross and he did this. He said, I will take sin and I will become the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And the spotless lamb uh, of Jesus, of Calvary, who died on the cross, that blood was shed for you and for I. And he says, I want to change Paul, and I, I go back to the, book in, uh, to the book of Romans in the verse that says the wages of sin is death. But you have that second part that says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a change. The only reason that Peter could walk away or, or walk forward or get past a life of where, where, where he couldn't get a hold of the things of God and he was a, a crude man and he, he'd chop off people's ear and he'd, he'd be, uh, uh, you know, try to get ahead of God. And the only way you can get the coward of Calvary to be the one that stands there and preaches on the day of Pentecost is there would have had to have been a change. The only way you can go from a, a, a person that has has fought the church and fought against God and, 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 and killed the preachers and killed the, the, the saints of God and stood there and held the coats while Stephen is stoned. The only way you can get a Saul like that to become, and he had a name change, become a Paul who writes most of the New Testament and becomes one of the greatest theologians that we have. The only way you get that is there had to have been a change. The only way that we get from the life that some of you live to the person sitting on that pew right now is there had to have been a change. It doesn't matter if you were raised in the church. It doesn't matter if you were saved at an early age. You still had walked in that that, that way that, that Romans 7 and, the, and some of Romans 8 you had walked in that way where you were following after the flesh and your sin was there and your uh, mistakes were there and the wages of sin that you carried was going to be a spiritual death but somewhere 
God got a hold of you. Watch what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says. Don't you know, and I'll paraphrase, and don't you know that the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the men who practice homosexuality, the thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the revilers, the swindlers, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And we could shout and we could dance and we could say, hey man, I'm glad that those dirty, rotten, horrible sinners aren't going to go to heaven. And, and, and you could do all of that. And then Paul kind of puts the hook. <laughs> but such were some of you. That whole list that we don't like to talk about. In fact, if you're honest with yourself, when I begin to read that list, some of you got really uncomfortable. Because we're living in a world today where that becomes kind of the norm. And you say, oh, pastor, don't, don't preach too hard because it might offend somebody. It's the Bible, and I really can't do anything against it. And then he says, but such were some of you. That whole nasty list of sinners and those who come short of the glory of God, that was you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, you repented of your sins. You were baptized in water for the remission of your sins. They called the name of Jesus over you as you went down in that water and you were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You were washed. You were purified. You were made right in the eyes of God. You were changed. You, again, and I know I'm, I'm probably beating a dead horse, but when you look at Peter's life and if you're really a student of the Word of God and you see all the failures and all the mistakes that Peter did, I mean, as far as I know, the Lord hasn't looked at me and called me Satan, so at least I'm better than Peter. You know, I, I haven't held the coats of someone as they executed a Christian. You know, I'm, I've not been so happy to pull them to jail and, 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 and rejoice when they're tried and found guilty and then be there at the public hanging. At least I'm not like Paul. But then you realize once the history is told, it doesn't ever really refer back to it. Now, Paul might. I've noticed many times in Paul's writings when Paul was talking to people, he would tell them, hey, I, let me tell you where God's brought me from. I consented to their death. I, I, I fought against the church. I fought against God. I did all of that, but somewhere on that road to Damascus, a bright light knocked me down, and God began to speak to me, and there was a, 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 a conviction that grabbed hold of me, and while God could have snapped his fingers and killed me, he could have condemned me to death, but instead, in the infinite love that God has, even the one that had fought against the church, he said, Paul, I don't want you to die in your sin and trespasses. Is Paul. You want to know who this is? This is Jesus whom you crucified. I'm here today to tell you, Paul, if you'll let me, I'll change your life. The next part you see of Paul's life is he found a preacher. He found a church. And he was baptized and he was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there was a change. 
I could stop right now and I could begin to pass the mic to many of you here that would that would be willing to testify. And, and if you begin to tell us of the dark places that you lived and places that you came from, it would read much like 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and it would be a list of things that God doesn't allow into heaven. But then you could say, but I remember the day when I came to an altar. Some of you never even got to church. You knelt down by a bed at your house. So I know people that were driving in their car and God began to speak to them. Tears began to flow down their face and they began to repent of their sins and they said, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm ready to be born again. I want a change. And they repented of their sins. They were baptized in Jesus' name and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what a fact the change has been so evident that that some of you your your friends and your neighbors came to you at some point and they said what what happened you're not the same person we were used to you look different you act different you talk different you're not going to the same places the the things that we all used to do and hang out together you're not doing it why it's the holy ghost made a change in See, when you read the book of Acts, you've got to connect Acts to the Gospels. They don't, they don't exist apart from each other. And all throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was telling them, I had to come down. I had to be that, that innocent lamb. The blood was shed because I have to satisfy the requirements of the law and of sin. And sin requires a death. I mean, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, even some in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all of that, the book of the law. I mean, it was so much that not only did you die, because there's an understanding of a spiritual death, okay? Jesus told, or rather, rather God told uh, Adam and Eve the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in that day you will surely die well they ate of it and they didn't die and so in the back of their mind they're like well Jesus you know it, it, didn't, it didn't happen God you, you must have lied but what they didn't understand is the moment that they sinned their life their spiritual life was dead they were dead in their sins and trespasses but it's also the fact that the moment that they ate that their biological clock kicked in because up until that point as far as I can understand, the Garden of Eden, they would have probably lived forever. There was a, a, a point in a moment of immortality where they, they were living in the presence of God and there was no sin, there was no shame. and So they would have lived forever. But the moment that they ate of that fruit, the moment that they sinned, their biological clicked in, kicked in and they began to die. It may have taken them hundreds of years, but they began to die. At that moment, there was an ending inside. And so... God said, I'm, i got to come down. And I've got to become the punishment for those who deserve it most. Not only were, was death a, a spiritual death, but sometimes your sin caused you to die for real. Moses' law said if certain sins, they just stoned you right there. You were done. But Jesus said, I'll bear the punishment he didn't sin he was tempted but he didn't sin tempted in all points like as you and I are Hebrews says but he didn't sin 
and he died for you. The old song says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. But then he rose again, the beauty of Easter, and he came back for just a moment. And he told the disciples, he said, listen, I know I'm going away. But I will not leave you comfortless. I will come again. I'm going to send my spirit. And I want him to come, and he's going to lead and guide you into all truth. And he's going to direct you, and there's going to be a change. So you end the Gospels, and you walk right into the book of Acts. And they were there, and they went to Jerusalem, and there they tarried in the upper room, Acts 1 starting with Acts chapter 2 and they began to pray and they were waiting for that promise and Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says and suddenly there came a sound from heaven while they were all there in one accord they were praying, they were seeking, they were saying God we don't know what, what are we going to do how are we ever going to live it was hard enough for us to live when Jesus walked beside us I mean think about Peter for a moment if Peter cursed Jesus when he could see Jesus the Bible says that when the rooster crowed three times Jesus turned and looked at Peter so they were close enough to see each other if Peter in, in, his, in his broken and frail humanity would have cursed and cussed at Jesus when he could see Jesus Peter was praying how in the world am I ever going to live for God when I don't have him walking beside me and about that time there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat down on each one of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God himself became a resident, a resident inside their life and he lived them and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and they walked out of that upper room and there was a change that happened in Peter and now although he could not see God anymore, although he could not touch God anymore there was a power in his life and you never see a failure of Peter from that moment on I'm not so bold to think Peter may have never sinned because I have that same Holy Ghost living inside of me and I've walked some dark roads and I've had my moments where I have lost sight of what God is trying to do and I've failed and I've come short of the glory of God but still there is a power inside of me the Bible says you shall receive that power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you I've been changed I wonder if we could stand all across this building I'm here today to speak to those who perhaps you haven't had that change I could take you to the book of Acts chapter 10 tell you the story of Cornelius whom the Bible says was a devout man gave his alms gave his offerings he prayed but he was living a life that, that just to be a good person doesn't make that much of a difference and as he was praying God began to speak to him and God began to speak to a preacher named Peter Peter went to Cornelius' house and if you'll read Acts chapter 10 you'll find that while Peter was preaching to Cornelius kind of like I've been doing to you today the Holy Ghost fell and Cornelius' life was changed when the Spirit came in he was baptized for the remission of his sins there was a change and I'm here today to tell each and every one of you it's not enough for you just to live for God it's not enough for you to love God it's not enough for you to worship God you need a change the change I'm talking about is to be born again because when you're born again 
The flesh no longer has control of your life. The temptations that come no longer have to be the ones that rule you. You don't have to say, and I remember vividly as a kid, really as a teenager, I had, I had sinned and done some pretty horrible things and my mom and dad had caught me and I remember my, my ignorance, my stupidity, I, I probably knew better but I was trying to get out of the physical punishment. I said the devil made me do it. That's how some of us feel. You know, I, I just never seem to get past the condemnation. I never get past the, the lust and the sin and, and the temptation. I always fall. Well, the reason is you've not been born again because those who are born again don't walk after the flesh, but you walk after the Spirit. You have a new life, and that new life is here for you today. You can repent of your sins. I can't do that for you. I don't even need to hear you repent. I, I have really no desire to hear all the things that you've done. That's why the Bible says you don't confess to man, you confess your sins to God. And as they begin to play and sing behind me, I'm going to invite you, whether you want to come to the front, whether you want to sit or kneel or stand right where you are, but I'm encouraging you, I'm 